These are the funniest people I know. These are the funniest people I know. Said improv riffing, callers and sketches, characters and interviews, and then some more sketches. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest people you know. Now these are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest. These are the funniest. Hello, world, and welcome to the Funniest People I Know podcast and radio show. We are live huh? here in Atlanta, Georgia, coming to you from the Georgia Radio Reading Service. Wait, we're live? No, no, no. Y'all no. no. said you know this what? wasn't live. You do that one more time and I'm quit. Never. <laughs> I feel like I'm always that. threatening to quit. You are. Your facial expressions every time. I love it. I'm Buddhist. I'm in the moment. Life is live, George. Being Buddhist doesn't mean you don't have to know the definition of words. <laughs> Wait, you're Words right. have meaning, even in Trump's America. George, this is an infamous podcast. <laughs> Do you know infamous? It's negative. It means yeah. the opposite of what you think. You're famous for bad things. Yeah. So you're not an infamous yoga teacher. I mean, I guess you could No, be. like Mussolini you, you, is infamous. Right. Right. I've been using this word incorrectly, but you said you knew and didn't tell me. I told you, and then you corrected me back, and I was like, well, I'm not going to argue with Did you. Did I tell you at the Mule House late at night? No, it was just one time in conversation. Oh, okay. Have well, you been enough. using it in a positive way? Like, oh, this person is infamously known for yes. <laughs> guarding them and yes. sharing food with their neighbor. Like on this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I might say, the funniest so people funny. I know is an infamous podcast out of Atlanta. Mm, and I told him once, well, I was like, I think you mean famous. He goes, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I used the word aloof wrong for years, and one time I was speaking to a woman named Karen. Mm. I was like, of my course, aunt, right? I was like, my yeah. aunt is aloof, and she's like, that's a really rude thing to say about your aunt. And I was like, no, you know, she's like real flighty and silly. And she's like, that's not what aloof means at all. You need to look that up. I think of aloof as being kind of standoffish, right? Yes, which is the exact opposite of flighty. Yeah, but aloof sounds like a light word, like a butterfly would be aloof. Aloof mm. is a fun word to say. It is aloof, George. <laughs> What is this about a Canadian cocktail? I was listening to a different podcast called The Pop. What? Yes. I know, right? What the hell, George? Oh, I'm clutching the yeah, table. So I've told you all the Aloof backwards is loofah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go back to 30 seconds ago. <laughs> Sorry. It took me a minute. Okay. Well, yes. we'll, right. we'll talk. I thought it was crazy for a second. There's over a hundred episodes of this show, and you're listening to other podcasts. I, well, we, you know, we don't talk about politics, and I'm a political junkie, so I do mm -hmm. have to listen to my politics. Podcast. Yeah. All right, let's hear. So it. I'm listening to Political Gap Fest on Slate, and they mentioned, as an aside, this cocktail, and I had to look it up because it was horrifying. It is out of Dawson City, Yucatan, and it is called the Sour Toe Cocktail. Okay. The Sour Toe Cocktail was invented in 1973. And an actual human toe has been dehydrated and preserved in salt and is Ew. used to garnish the drink of your choice. Shut up. Toe. I'm going to show you all a picture that we will be sharing online I'm... of the sour toe oh, cocktail. Oh, no. Why does it look like wood? It does. It looks Ew, like wood. A, toe. a wooden toe inside of a whiskey How do glass. they get their inventory? So, I'm glad you asked that. The first toe is said to have belonged to a miner and rum runner named Louis Lichen, who had his frostbitten appendage amputated in the 20s. Nope. Mm -mm. Lichen preserved it in a jar of alcohol in his cabin for memories. Fifty years later, in 73, local Captain Dick Stevenson found the jar with Captain the toe. Captain Dick? Captain Dick. Wow. Found the jar with the toe while cleaning the cabin. Captain Dick brought the toe to the bar and started putting it into the drinks of those who were brave enough. And that's Disgusting. how the sour toe cocktail was invented. I'm disgusted. In 1980, <laughs> a miner named Gary Younger 
was trying for the record on his 13th glass of sour toe champagne, his chair tipped over backwards, and he swallowed the toe. <gasps> oh. No. And toe number one was never recovered. No. Since then, oh, wow. there have been seven toes donated. Oh. Y'all have got to stop. Yeah, no. no. I am mortified. <laughs> toe number two. An amputation due to an inoperable corn. Uh. Toe number three <laughs> was from frostbite, also accidentally swallowed. Oh. Oh. Uh, toe number four was from anonymous and had, was stolen. Oh. Okay. Toes <laughs> number five and six were donated to the bar by an old man in Yukon in return for free drinks for his nurses. <laughs> well, I mean, at least he was considered. There's no word as to how he removed the toe, where oh. they came from. I didn't know that's how you can buy drinks for pretty nurses. <laughs> uh, toe seven was another amputation, and toe eight arrived in a jar with the message, don't wear open toe sandals while mowing the lawn. Oh, oh. The fine used to be $500 if you swallow the toe. It is now $2,500. And the tagline is, you can drink it fast, you can drink it slow, but the lips have got to touch the toe. Ew. <laughs> that is totally disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I, think when I you made a that. pun. I made yeah. a pun. I had to share this with you guys when I heard about it. I was shocked. I also suggested it to bartender Michael. I was like, does the Mule House want a toe cocktail? Mm-mm. And he said no. He, said he does not want to <laughs> hold on to that toe inventory. Mm-mm. I love that you have to give the toe back after you drink one You have to share. It's communal. A communal. That's disgusting. Like, Because what are they keeping the toe in? I just have concerns about... Spread of disease, mm, germ, yeah. so many things. The conditions in which the toes are being retrieved and procured. I'm concerned, people. We have enough to worry about right now. There's coronavirus out there. We don't need another thing. And Allergies. The, the yeah. flu. Yeah. The flu. Oh, I don't yeah. think you get flu from a toe, though. In fairness, I bet anything's pretty disgusting. Hell. But I doubt anyone got the flu from it. Also, mm. coronavirus came right because someone hacked up a bat. Yeah, they, they ate a bat. No, they ate bat soup. Okay. Yeah. Choked on their bat soup. <laughs> yeah. And then coronavirus is born. <laughs> That's how it got airborne. Is eating a toe that much more disgusting than eating, let's say, a chicken wing? I'll do this well, to me and my well, favorite. Well, <laughs> chicken. Eating a chicken wing is very different from eating a chicken wing mm-hmm. from 1950 that has mm-hmm. been preserved in salt and alcohol. This is true. Uh, yeah. I'm not so eating I don't want. I don't want a 50-year-old chicken wing in my cocktail either. What about just some old fruit? A $100 bottle of wine is basically Fair just enough. old grape juice. Yeah. They don't have nails in it, though. <laughs> you know, it didn't have to get chopped off of a person. It's not the same. And y'all not going to convince me to drink anything with a toe. I'm good. No. TJ, Mm-mm. what appendage would you donate? <laughs> oh, none. For popular mm. drink lore, if George uh, needed something for the Mule House. Oh, if I had to do one appendage? I yep. don't know. I guess you don't need your pinky toe. <laughs> do you? I don't know. It's so dumb. Can I just have your pinky finger? Yeah. Not no, I, I do this with that. I raise it up. You're pointing his pinky at the microphone. Yeah, I was like trying to... When TJ drinks tea, his pinky's very engaged. I use it. What body part cocktail would you drink? Would you drink any? Like if it had an ear in it? Uh, I, mm. What about a nostril smoothie? Oh, no. <laughs> well, I got to be real selective. It has to be an appendage from your clothing. Like a sleeve? Yeah, like or a button. You I could choke on a button. I could. Button's but- a weird word. <laughs> button. Button. Now, is button a cute name for part of your body or no? You're talking about an actual no, I button. I need an actual button because I'm not drinking. Not like a belly button. 
No, an Audi. Oh my God! Yeah. Could you imagine yeah, like drinking Audi from an Audi cocktail? Pop it in there, yeah, it'd probably curl up. It would just be like a little piece of beef jerky. I'm going through the appendages. I'm like a hair, no, yeah. eyeball, no, yeah. nose. It, it, I, I, there's nothing. I'm sorry. No. I'm out. I'm out on the human part. Cocktail soup. You're such a prude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure in the kitchen on Kid Nation, somebody lost oh. an appendage. Oh, I'm sure. TJ, tell us about episode two of Kid Nation. As y'all know from episode two, I was talking about Kid Nation and how CBS took these 40 accompanied minor children out to the middle desert and posed the question, what if we sent all these children out and watched them build their own society, but also made it a competition show? Mm -hmm. And it's just a disaster from start to finish. I was watching episode two. And it's titled "Kill or Not to Kill." A great, <laughs> oh no! A great, not to kill. Not to kill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> and this is also a show about kids. The episode starts in a chicken coop, and it's all warm and nice and homey. You have Taylor, the pageant queen from Georgia. You remember her, mm-hmm. and she's got this handled because she was raised on a farm. Enter Emily, age nine, from Nevada, who has seven more acres, I believe, than Taylor. And she takes care of uh, chicken and breaks wild stallions. And she loves (laughs) animals. And she becomes important later. So cut to the town council meeting where they're reading this old book written by the TV producers. I mean, original settlers of Bonanza City. (laughs) (laughs) I love the name of this town. And they pose the question to the kids, are chickens just for laying eggs? <laughs> so they discuss. I uh, hope so. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, we'll see. Back in the kitchen was Sophia, who's showing us all these mountains of canned food that the mm-hmm. producer supplied them with. And she's sick of all of them. It's day five. And she's there's like, yeah, it's canned corn and all canned vegetables and apples. Is she sick of the canned food or is she sick of all the producers? Both, I okay. believe. Yeah, I she's guess. on the verge of starting uprising against the town council because she never approves on day five (laughs) exactly the town council approaches the rest of the kids and they discuss the need for meat because the canned apples just aren't cutting it and they're all like yeah give us protein or give us death and it's just like almost a riot (laughs) enter emily again from nevada who loves animals and she doesn't want to kill the chickens because it's mean and cruel and animals are friends and people just don't realize that Mm -hmm. quote unquote and it cut to me sobbing because same Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i love her then we cut to these three vegetarian kids running to the chicken coop to lock themselves inside to protect the chickens from being harmed. And then enter Taylor, pageant queen from Georgia. She's like, y'all need to calm down and get out of that chicken coop. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no. Then they say this nonviolent protest and all these other kids are like, trying to get them out eventually come out. Mm-hmm. For the next scene, a notice appears on the bottom of the screen reading, Caution, the following scene may be intense for young children. You know, for this show about uh, children. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> They're marching up this mountain like something out of a Quentin Tarantino film, and you cut to them wielding axes and carrying chickens, and oh they're God. about to execute this chicken on top of the hill because the they kids? want protein. Yeah. Oh, gosh. They were on vegan diets for five days. Children don't have the tolerance for that. And this kid named Michael was like, I know how to kill every single kind of animal, and I got this. So. Oh, that's creepy, Michael. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he's, he's in jail now. He teaches all the kids how to cut heads off chickens, and okay. it's nasty and gruesome. And Emily runs off crying, and I it's traumatizing. <laughs> I would think so. CBS put these babies through so much. Oh, <laughs> what yeah, the hell? Right? These poor kids. Uh, it's insane. 
So that adult host is back and he's cattle calling all the children to come to the leaderboard where it shows teams and their duties. Red is the upper class and then all these other teams like kitchen and merchants and one's like the lower class. They're literally called the upper class. Feels yeah, good. Exactly. One kid calls the kitchen team the lazy sack of potatoes, and it's funny. And then we rush out to the showdown where they are competing for a heated water slide. It's a jumbo <laughs> inflatable water slide, and the big thing is that it's heated because they're all freezing and it's cold out there in the desert. <laughs> desert gets cold at night. Exactly. <laughs> so many problems. It's insane. The show is insane. And they compete for whatever's under this other rusty barrel. It ends up being water faucets, which we all need, you know, running water. But they got to compete to win it. You got to compete to win your faucet, girl. <laughs> the showdown involves running water through these pipes, and it's super complicated. And the blue team wins their upper-class ranking, but not all the teams finished in time. So they don't win that big inflatable water slide or the water pumps for running water, which would have been necessary to run a society, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right? Water's yeah, important. Exactly. Yeah, they just got to compete to be a normal society. Did they get water before that? They sent kids out to this area where they would get it from this faucet or something. Yeah, <laughs> a well, well. water pump. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe. Like poor little fat teen in Lehman. Yeah. Do you <laughs> think these kids Aww. are I thought you said fat teen, and I was like, I don't think there was any in this show. <laughs> Do you think there's value in this as a lesson for children, TJ? Um, Yeah, don't go on CBS. <laughs> That's a good Ever lesson. Again. Yeah. All right, the show's almost over, so Emily has locked herself again in that chicken coop, again, to non-violently protest their move to a meat-based diet. And then the town hall commences, as it does at the end of every episode, and they ask, who all approves of town and council? And then it went up to two people, Sophia from earlier, as well as, you can guess it, Taylor, who did not want to kill those chickens. So their <laughs> unpopular rating is increasing. Oh, uh, no. Um, and they're also complaining that Taylor, pageant queen from Georgia, isn't fulfilling her kitchen duties, and she's like, y'all can just starve them, because I'm not good at being in the kitchen. I think a riot is about to ensue. Did anybody get voted out? No. No one gets voted out. They just get asked if they want to leave. Oh. Okay. (laughs) It's weird, too. Yeah. Right. You guys are going to put these kids through all these other barbaric situations, but we're going to take consideration with the voting process. Could you imagine at the end of every episode of Survivor, Jeff Rose's like, would anyone like to go? Yeah. Just somebody has to volunteer. I guess guess me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would like to leave. Yes. That show, I cannot believe that ever existed. Well, thank you very much, TJ. You're welcome. Speaking of TJ. Okay. We know he's looking for love. Oh, yeah. And we decided that we were going to help him out. And George and Alexandria have created a profile in TJ's name. Yeah. (laughs) To try and... Trying to find him a gentleman friend. Catch him a fish. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be kicked out of this town. We decided to create a profile. Alex and I went to that bar Mm -hmm. below your apartment because we know Wait. that you like guys that live near you. So yeah. we wanted to be in the vicinity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and we didn't do Tinder because we know you're on that. So we started with Grinder. Oh, yeah. And within 37 seconds, we got the first message from a guy named uh, Horny and Kinky. And okay. he said, <laughs> yes. looking to F-word. And oh. sent a picture of his butt. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Then the next message was from a 52-year-old man named Big Zaddy. Okay. Who called you son and asked if you'd like to be a sugar baby. Okay. Oh. And, and you said... The third person we saw on there was you. So we decided not to use that app either. <laughs> <laughs> then we found an app called Jacked, J-A-C-K apostrophe D. I heard of it. And you weren't on that one. So we uploaded the photos you posted on your Dolly Parton challenge. Because oh. we knew you liked them. Yep. Yes. And you look very nice in that picture of a tuxedo. 
here are some excerpts of some of the conversations we had with gentlemen on your behalf. Okay. We've arranged dates with all of them tonight. Oh, wow. And so mm-hmm. one of them gets to meet you, and, and the other four are going to be stood up. And so you get to decide who you're going out with Canceling tonight. everything I had planned tonight. As yes. you should. We're going to start Catfish Theater. Will, why don't you <laughs> and Alex go back and forth reading for our gentlemen callers. First, we match with Chris, who is 27. Hey, handsome. How's it going? Doing well, man. Oh, my God. You? I'm good. Just got home from work watching Wendy Williams. Oh, gee, me too. I love her. Me too. Great minds, right? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. She just told this hairdresser to ditch her grandma as a client. She's such a bitch. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I saw that. So funny. We had not seen that. (laughs) We lied. So what are you looking for? I don't know. Pretty open. A cute guy to watch Wendy Williams with would be nice. Oh, my God. Nice. Winky face. I love snuggling on the couch and watching Wendy. Especially with a cute guy like you. Oh, my God. Thanks, man. Blushing emoji. Sounds like we should hang out sometime. Definitely. Three minutes later. Oh, my God. Top or bottom? Oh, my God. That's where I cut this one off. Straight to the point. Yep. Gay people cannot be trusted with nice things, okay? Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Can I ask a question? Oh, my God. <laughs> Probably not. No. <laughs> Do you have to fall on one side of that fence, or is there a middle ground? There's a middle ground. There is. We, TJ and I had a conversation about the middle ground this week. We did. <laughs> so why on this app is that such an important thing? You just want to make sure you're matching with somebody who matches. If with you them. are on one side, if you mm-hmm. if you have a preferred side, you mm-hmm. need to match with somebody who's on the middle ground or on the other side. Blaine, twenty nine. TJ, hey man, what's going on? Not much. You? Not much. Just hang out at home. Same. Cool. So what's up? Nothing really. Watching Wendy Williams. <laughs> That's what you do all day. <laughs> <laughs> on repeat, just Wendy, Wendy. Right. <laughs> I don't do anything else. All day on YouTube. Cool. Yeah. Five minutes later. <laughs> nice profile, by the way. Big fan of Real Housewives, too. One hour later. Cool. And that's the end. Well, TJ loves Wendy Williams. TJ, I think this is the important lesson here okay. from a, let's say, academic critique standpoint. Right. I forget you're in school now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Their responses very much encourage another response so they're both in line with the previous line Mm -hmm. and they elicit something in the future and i think that's what's nice about this you have to end with a question if you want the conversation to keep going or Mm. for example in the very first scene i'm good just got home from work and watching wendy williams that's great because now you've given them something yeah with which to come it reminds me of improv it's yes and and add new information Mm -hmm. will's weekly tips for gay dating (laughs) all right this next one uh it's a little long here we go all right mark 31 more (laughs) tj hey man how are you i'm good two minutes later hung this is fascinating i love everything about (laughs) tj has dates set up with all of these men some of them are expecting different dates than others okay but all of these eventually led to a date great okay Okay. we're just getting the highlights yeah Mm -hmm. alex got it you're kyle 29 howdy Oh my god. Hey, no. how's it going? In bed, you? Oh. Nice. Pretty quiet night here, too. Just hanging out on the couch. Super cute dog, by the way. Thanks. She's my baby. <laughs> I used to have a golden retriever when I was a kid, too. They're the best dogs. What's her name? <laughs> 
balls? Yeah, yeah. Balls. I don't know what you had. <laughs> TJ did not have a dog. If yeah, you no. pick Kyle, you're going to have to keep that up. Right, you had to find like a picture of a golden I love that. No, He's going to have what? to lie about his golden retriever. <laughs> TJ, you better study these. Know, right? Exactly. <laughs> so what's her name? Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love dogs with people's names. <laughs> I do. <laughs> that one's true. <laughs> she looks like a Jennifer. <laughs> I'm saying no just off of that line. Like, as your friend TJ, one hour later, where in town are you? Midtown. You? Buckhead. Cool. Nice area. What are you up to? Nothing. Getting ready for bed. You? <laughs> Not much. Laying in bed. Feeling frisky. <laughs> oh, Looking to get out. Oh, boy. You're super cute, but it's kind of late. I got work in the morning. That's okay. I should probably go to sleep, too. What do you do? Marketing, you. I work in tech. Cool. Kyle sends a pic. Whoa! <laughs> Not what I was expecting there. <laughs> Wink face. Ha ha! I told you I was feeling frisky. <laughs> I can tell. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Guys are incorrigible, TJ. They love you. Oh, God. This is the last option, right? So your last choice. TJ, how are you feeling about your choices so far? Not great. Those are all very nice men. Right? Exactly. John, 25. Hey, how's it going? Two hours later. (laughs) Hey, man, I'm good. You? Just at work. How about you? Oh, damn. Sorry to bug you at work. You're not bugging me. Cool. You're very handsome. I wish I wasn't stuck here. Ditto, sir. John sends TJ two pictures, one with a dashing smile and another shirtless showing off his perfect chest. Wow, handsome guy. You flatter me. I'm sure I'm not the first to tell you that. Of course you're not. (laughs) But you're handsome as well, so it's nice to hear it from you. Thank you, blushing emoji. You're welcome, smiley face. My name's John, by the way. Nice to, quote, meet you, John. I'm TJ. God. Oh, my God. Meet. What? Not over how pretty your eyes are. You're too kind, smiley face. I'm still swooning over that smile. Aw, now who's the kind one? Oh, my God. I don't know about kind. More like spent the afternoon daydreaming about what it'd be like to kiss that killer smile. Oh, my God. Wait, who are you? Oh, my. Aren't you the charmer? Four minutes later. John sends a photo of what seems to be a banana in gym shorts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Looking. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That description. TJ, you've been real judgmental. Before you pick, I'm going to just tell you something. Right. It's been a while, but uh-huh. nothing has changed. Yep. Guys suck. Yeah. <laughs> Straight, gay, bi, yep. gender nonconforming. Mm-hmm. They suck. Chris has a story we met online, and one of the people we talked to before he met me was a married man who kept trying to invite him to his house, and he's like, I'm not really interested in that. And the guy goes, yeah, me too. And then he would say, hey, so my wife's gone. You want to come over? And he's like, no, no, really not into that. And he's like, hi, no, just kidding. So you want to come over? That's what I felt like all these guys were like. Oh, my God. The thirst is very real. They're very thirsty for some TJ. Mm. If you think back to being a teenager, there's really one thing on your mind, and you almost can't control it. That seems to exist on a higher plane for some people. Mm. Well, men, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for some (laughs) men is what I'm saying. I mean, I I can't speak for women. Mm. Will you speak for all women, Alec? Well, yes. You have the mic. (laughs) As I should always. I think it depends, but the more days that I am in my marriage and I talk to my husband, it seems like men are just constantly 
in middle school boy frame of mind. Mm -hmm. That's what it's always thinking about. Getting to that goal. Gotta eat to get to doing it. I gotta watch TV to get to doing it. I grew up with my parents' friends, my friends, in all colors of the spectrum. I remember early on, there was a couple. They were my Uncle Ed and Aunt Jason. That's what they were to us, and they were very close to us. We were sitting around once, and my mom, she maybe had a cocktail or two, but she says, hey, Ed and Jason, I have a question. Who has the headache? (laughs) Right? (laughs) And Jason says, nobody. It's fantastic. That's the best. (laughs) So I just wonder if men stereotypically mm-hmm. do have stronger tendencies. Mm-hmm. Is that why we see behavior like this mm-hmm. on a dating app? I think in the fake fantasy, yes. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, all guys are like this. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, being an old married gay man myself, oh, life happens, what? right? You're home from work and you're tired and it's mm-hmm. not happening kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I'd say that a lot of these guys dating think that if they just find their boyfriend, they'll just live in a porno for the yeah. rest of the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And TJ, they seem to like you. Mm, for one time only. <laughs> I was thinking of when Blanche finds out on the Golden Girls that her brother's gay mm-hmm. and she goes, there have to be homosexual who date women mm-hmm. and I was like that's what TJ needs a nice lesbian yeah. boyfriend yeah they would treat you right yeah. you're not just looking for some easy weekend fun right you're uh, looking for a relationship sure all Thursday before the radio yes so, so TJ back to the premise who are you going out with tonight Chris okay Blaine, uh-huh. Mark mm-hmm. Kyle or John mm. I don't know which one did I like it was really funny. I don't know which one you like. <sighs> I feel like he was like third with Kyle or something. Howdy? You like uh, Howdy? Howdy? No, I did not. With like the dog him. named Jennifer? Okay. I think. Yeah, yeah, dog named Jennifer. Yeah. Okay, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was Kyle. All right, yeah, so Kyle. TJ's going out tonight with Kyle. Uh, yeah. The dog named also, um, TJ, I can show you that picture later. I yeah. don't think you'll be disappointed. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Good choice, TJ. I yeah, like good Kyle. Job, TJ. Kyle yeah. seems kind of funny and yeah. willing to play along. Well, how old is he? He's like old. Kyle was 29. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. A little younger than Clint Eastwood. Yeah, a little. Uh, uh, Does Kyle work at the Banana Republic? I mm-hmm. looked for guys mm-hmm. that worked at the Banana Republic specifically, but nobody yeah. advertises that. Mm-hmm. But also, I was worried because she said that before he meets the love of his life, he's going to get the new SARS. And now that mm-hmm. there is a new SARS, oh, like, maybe yeah, there he should stay is. away from guys from Banana Republic. Yeah. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, for our interview segment this week, we have two very, very special guests in the studio. Broken 30 is this weekend. I know, that's really exciting. In the beginning of 2019, I started writing this low-rent comedy show (laughs) called Broke and 30, because that's how I felt. Because you were broke and a little older than 30. I was broke and still 30. Okay. Somewhere above 30. I brought in two of my favorite actors in Atlanta, who, as actors, certainly understand what it's like to be broke and 30. And they're also in the show. That works out. Please welcome Alex Parkinson. Hi. How are you today, Alex? Feeling pretty broke. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And Lucas was in the original. Ladies and gentlemen, Lucas Scott. Hello, everyone. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm not as broke as I used to be, but still feeling the crunch. Not as broke as I used to be is a really great place to be, though. (laughs) I feel you there. Do you know, when audiences started reacting to this show, I learned that brokenness is a fundamental truth. That whether you've just bought a house or whether you've got kids in college or you're taking care of an ailing parent or you're young and dumb and 20, we all feel broke. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's universal. I was living in New York City, very expensive, and I was an actor. That was what I was trying to do as a full-time vocation, which if it works for you, great. It probably won't. 
<laughs> Such a sign of encouragement. I took a gig because I was so broke in the Clinton, New Jersey holiday parade, walking down the street as a mascot. I was a low rent blues clues. <laughs> like an off brand costume. Yeah, yeah. You know the kind you go to the costume shop and you rent it's not officially Mickey Mouse. I was Times Square Blues Clues. That's awesome. And my sister was Dora the Explorer. And somehow we got lost and <laughs> left the parade route. Your visibility in one of those costumes is so small. We had no idea where the heck we were. It starts raining. My vest is falling off, so I'm just this sad, wet, floppy, <laughs> pathetic, broke-ass blue wandering the streets of this small town in New Jersey. Wait, how much did you get paid for this being a broke job? $75. Oh, oh wow. That's oh, some nice. good money for doing nothing. I drove there. You walked. And I waved. And you got lost. Well, you could afford a car in New York. I had family nearby, so I could park it in their driveway. I see. See, this no. is the different levels of brokenness. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. still, you feel it. And I, I can have compassion for that. That's real to you. But yeah. It's, All right, so what's your brokest job, Lucas? Oh, my goodness. Probably this show. <laughs> <laughs> Checks in the mail. <laughs> I would like to state for the record that Broken 30 is a paid theater job. It is we, a paid theater job. We do pay the actors and the technician, just not the director. Not the director. <laughs> it's not paid for me. Thank you very much. You get paid in appreciation. That's true. And I put him on every Facebook post. Alex, brokest job you've taken? When I was 30, I was in New York as well, so I was just broke, generally. In college... I did about three jobs, and one of them was to be a manny. Like um, a male nanny? Like a male nanny, yeah. And there was a 11-year-old boy and his 13-year-old sister who was so mad <laughs> that this mid-twenties dude was her manny, and the little boy <laughs> was so excited because we'd kick the soccer ball and hang out, and he just wouldn't ever go to bed because he wanted to keep playing sports and stuff, and she just locked herself in her room and went... This sucks. <laughs> and I did that for about a year. I want to hear the story of when you were so broke, you applied for a job at Swing and Richard. I was just really struggling, and I, I was working at this restaurant job, and I hated it. But I've been told I'm attractive, so I thought... <laughs> By who? <laughs> anyway, so I was like, oh, you know what? I could probably make some money if, I don't know, if I just went and danced a little bit at Swing and Richard's. I thought it would be funny, and I, my roommate was sitting there, and we were hanging out. What's Swing and Richard's? Swing and Richard's is a strip club. It's primarily geared t- towards gay men, but that women can go there, too. Just dudes... With their dongs out. I didn't know that. I thought it was just topless, but no. Nope. Topless? <laughs> yeah. I'm a little naive sometimes. Saturday night, me and my friend pull up into the parking lot. I went inside, and there's this man standing behind the counter. He looked like a truck driver. He was real squatty, about 5'7", and there was this young girl behind the counter who had the impulse to tell me that she was 18. I didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> More clarification that you're a handsome man. I guess. <laughs> just in case she wanted you to know. Yeah. So it's me and my roommate standing there, and I just go up to the guy. I'm like, hey, uh, you know, I'd really like to have a job up here. I'm just seeing what you guys have available. And he looks me up and down, and he motions over to his DJ, who's like <laughs> this, this balding guy from New Jersey. And he comes over, and he's like, uh, yeah, what's going on? He's like, this guy wants a job. And he's like, oh, okay, you got any experience? And I was like, well, I'm an actor, so I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with my body. And, you know, I can move and stuff like that. And he's like, all right, let's see what you're working with. <laughs> and I was like, cool. So I pulled up my shirt, and, like leaned back, you know, crunched down on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, all right, okay. And then him and this dude have a private conversation about me. To like the just side. right there in the lobby? Right there in the lobby. <laughs> like, and I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, 
All right, uh, why don't you go work on your abs and come back? <laughs> <laughs> so not only was I broke, but at that point I was broken. <laughs> That's really funny. I'm sorry you weren't able to get that job. What a great story. <laughs> Their loss, Lucas. I know, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Their loss. Thank you. Quick question. Have you worked on your abs and are you going back? Uh, yeah, next week I have an appointment. It's Good Saturday. for you. Alex, Lucas, can't wait for the show. Thank you for joining us. And George, thank you for directing the show. You've put a lot of hard work into it. You've been great with the scripting, and I couldn't have done it without well, you. Well, thank man. you for paying me with uh, Facebook tags. I appreciate it. Thanks, and shout-outs A drink would have been nice, but sure, tags <laughs> it is. I'm broke. I want to close out this episode with a game called Am I Normal? No. This is a game I'm going to play with the funny people here where I've just got three premises. You ever walking down the street and you think, do other people feel that way or think that way or am I just crazy? So often this happens to me that we've invented this game. So here we go. I had a dream the other night about a West Side Story teenager. Some sort of hooligan from the 1950s with maybe a cigarette rolled up in his shirt, jeans and a white shirt, kind of Danny Zuko style, getting in a fight with a rival gang member. They're punching at each other violently, and the scrappy one wins. And I wake up because I had to use the restroom. Other folks I've spoken to, when they have to use the restroom in the middle of the night, they just dream about going to the bathroom. They wake Mm. up and they go. I tend to have violent dreams that are uncomfortable that wake me up. Oh, that's weird. And then Mm. I go, am I normal? Mm. (laughs) I would say that your body reacting to something in your dreams is the normal thing. Being violent is concerning. Violent is concerning. Or violent or uncomfortable. I think it's the your body's uncomfortable because you have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And then it does things to my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I get concerned for you, Will. Yeah. George? I'm saying no. When I was a kid, I'd have dreams when I had to go to the bathroom that I went to the bathroom and then mm-hmm. I'd find myself peeing the bed. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I know mm-hmm. that. But otherwise, no, no violent dreams make me pee. Mm-mm. I guess I'm weird. Here's another one. Do you ever fantasize about rescuing a loved one, battling a villain to defend their honor, maybe saving them from a desperate situation and being the hero? When I was a kid, I would lay down in my bedroom and I would imagine being at the mall with my girlfriend and that someone would come up with a knife and I would be the one to fight him off and save her. Mm, no, that I don't was, like fights. That's real cool, stuff. though, I guess, mm-hmm. that you want to save someone. I guess I'm strange. Who mm-hmm. in this room would you save from a fire? You can only save one of us. Ooh. Definitely Alexandria. Yay! That's that exactly sense. the right person to pick. That makes sense. I'm too heavy, and you wouldn't want to have TJ when you're done with it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I smell like burnt smoke. Yeah. Yeah. He'll complain. Everyone else died in the fire. He's like, my clothes are a little smoky. This is another one. Probably. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes in a stressful situation, in a meeting, in an uncomfortable conversation, as a way to stay calm, I imagine that everyone around me is a Muppet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. Am I normal? God, mm. I used to think so. Yeah. But we're three for three. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is a great tip, I would say, mm-hmm. because you could be in the most uncomfortable situation. But think about Mr. Arrow from The Muppets, who's mm. very serious but still very funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kermit's always going through some kind of tragedy. This is true. In real life, if Kermit were a human, he would just be a sad sack you'd never want to be around. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine the world in Muppet, life takes on more beauty. You have these normal concepts, but with a will spin. Yeah, <laughs> very will spin. Yeah. You know, because yeah. even with the last one, you commonly hear people that imagine someone naked in an yeah. audience so that you can get over your fears and anxieties when making a speech. 
you take it to another level, like, but with the Muppets, yeah, and yeah, you're like, yeah. I love it. Also concerned. Mm. This is why you're a writer, right? I don't think you can be, quote, normal mm. and write. This is true. Mm-hmm. You have to have that weird stuff yeah. in your head. Mm-hmm. You have to, to have, like, a pointed perspective. Yeah. That's true. And I'll close this out by reminding our listeners to go out and just do some weird stuff. <laughs> because if you want to be a writer, especially, or a comedian, you got to go have some life experience to write about. I read a book this week from a very prominent journalist turned screenwriter, and she said everyone graduates with that degree in screenwriting, and then they write the coming-of-age story and nobody buys it. (laughs) (laughs) They move to Los Angeles. Nobody cares. Then they all write the summer camp story. And again, nobody buys it, and most of them quit. Hmm. So she says, if you want to have something interesting to write about, go be a part of a different world other than your mm-hmm. own, right? That's why there's so yeah. many movies about movies. And so I encourage you, whatever you're doing, if you're buying a house, opening up a restaurant, hanging around on Tinder, dealing with a flood, living with a new roommate, moving to Smyrna, or working as a production manager, go out and have some fun. And tell a friend about the show, because we're sure glad you're listening. Ladies and gentlemen, this brings us to another episode of the Funniest People I Know podcast. I'm Will. I'm TJ. I'm Alex. And I'm leaving. (laughs) Have yourselves a hilarious week. Bye. Hey, I am dealing with a flood. (laughs) 